Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Evan, is it just me or is Brad an absolute psychopath for retaping his stick every single time he gets on the ice? I think I retape my stick like twice ice season. I just yeah. can't be bothered. I, it's mostly just for forgetfulness where I, like, I'm going to tape it next game and then I show up to the ring five minutes before ice time and I'm like, ah, next time. I look at the bottom of my blade. I'm like, is the tape like melted into that like flat slab yet? Nah, I can play one more. Frankly, I'm offended by anyone who doesn't retape their stick every game. Honestly, does nobody handle the puck? My stick tape gets beat to hell every time I'm on the ice. Are any of those tape companies publicly traded on the stock exchange, Ryan? <laughs> if I, they are, I'll buy some stocks and then I'll tape my stick every single game. I, only I was going to say, does this count as insider? You redo the top every three games? Yeah. I used to do that once a season. Oh, <laughs> oh once it's on the stick, I never retape it. Oh, oh, my God. You two are hosts of a hockey podcast. Yeah, man. I don't need to spend that much money on hockey tape. People Look, are expected to take our hockey opinion seriously, and you're playing <laughs> with a piece. I don't even know what to call it if you're retaping it once a season. Yeah. That's, How that's often lucky. do you have to replace your gloves? I'm guessing often. I've had... Before this year, I had the same gloves since I was 17. Yeah, I keep my gloves for a long time. Oh, my God. How? How? Uh, for the uh, for the grip, I take a piece of tape and I spin the uh, the roll at the bottom so it makes like a wire. And I tape that around and then I tape over that. Yeah, Crystal, that does, grip. Crystal does that too. I'm I'm like literally as basic as you can get when it comes to that. Half width, three rounds, nothing even under the grip tape. That's just stick under there. Did you have time for friends when you were younger? Um, if they played hockey, yes. Sorry, Brad can't come out to play. He's retaping his sticks for the seventh time this week. Okay, so Brad, when like you say you had a game once a week when you were younger. Yep. You retaped your stick every time. Yep. I would have hated you if if I was your parent buying that tape. You want you want to hear how bad this problem extends? Are you ready to hear the saddest thing? Playing with uh Milvy this year on more than a few occasions I retaped at intermission. That's no. I play, I played like six shifts in the first period and I'm like, oh, there's a hole. Redo it. The world just got a little bit dimmer for me. <laughs> that is you're right. Sad is a good word for that. I don't even feel good making fun of you for that. That's just I am that picky. Like with a lot of pieces of my equipment, I'm not super picky, but skates, gloves, and stick like obsessive and stick especially because i'm not a particularly uh great skater relative to (laughs) i play but like so my hands are everything to me so my stick has to be perfect well uh this episode is not about making fun of brad believe it or not it's about making fun of the toronto maple leafs so with that we'll get kicked off here welcome to the winged wheel podcast spending a reasonable amount of money on hockey tape i'm ryan hannah I make Mark Savard look sane, and I'm Brad Crisco. I've had the same role of Costco variety pack tape for five years, and I, Evan. <laughs> it only has eight rolls. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, on, on this episode of the podcast, it's only been Sunday since Sunday since we spoke, and the Leafs lost as we were recording, so you would think that not a lot has happened, but we have had the... 
Draft Lottery 2.0 happened since then. Uh, we've had news about uh, potential shocking picks at second overall and maybe even the Red Wings pick having some rumors linked to that. We've had some crazy playoff games thus far. And uh, we're going to do a little mini mock draft for you guys this episode. So um, usually when we go Sunday, Wednesday, it's uh, we're, it's a little bit scarce. And, and the only reason we're doing it that this time is because I'm about to go get lost in the woods uh, for a few days before next Sunday's episode. Uh, but the the hockey gods smiled upon us, and um, here we are. And it all kicked off with that Leafs loss. Oh, boy. Uh, you're paying your top line over $30 million, and they get shut out in a do-or-die game. They're, I Don't get me wrong. Corpus Allo is amazing. Torella's got one of the best defensive systems in the league. That can't happen. Not in that game. It's not Babcock era. Matthews and Marner were getting, and Tavares were getting plenty of ice. And yeah. for as hilariously bad as the Leafs defense is, they only allowed two goals. Not counting empty netter. So, I saw a lot said about a lot of players, but the ones where I actually commented and was like, this is stupid, was anything on uh, Anderson. And, you know, he wasn't great. Like, he had good games and he had let in some bad goals, as I think is pretty usual for him. But if you get shut out twice in a five-game series, you you do not have the luxury of blaming your goalie yet. If you and put up three goals and you lost, yeah, absolutely. Blame Anderson. No, I'm sorry. No. I'm usually the first one to rip goalies, too, when they deserve it. And Liam Foody's goal, the second one on him, uh, wasn't great. But I'm going to make excuse for excuses for him on two fronts on this goal because this is the one he's getting roasted for. One, that might be leading to get Foody that chance might be one of the worst changes in the history of the nhl because i don't know i think it was justin hole like oh yeah one of the fastest kids on the planet's coming down the far wing ah, i can go it's fine and two goalies are taught that when you have a bad angle shot like that don't play it like you're gonna make the save just seal everything just stand there get big seal everything and from a technique standpoint anderson had everything perfect but goalies are not literal brick walls no matter how good they try to seal something there's always gonna be a hole so anderson played that perfectly foodie just found the one weird gap that happens to be there it happens goalies get beat like that every once in a while because they seal off the post and then there's you know a hat like a puck width between his leg and his arm or his armpit or whatever it might be depending on if the goalie does the tier reverse t and it just it hit a soft spot it happens like it sucks but maybe don't go for a change as columbus is sending one of their fastest players down the far wing yeah there's uh i don't envy i like i i have no ambition of or or envy for anybody who does what we do but in the toronto side of the world like <laughs> steve's gonna have a long summer those guys on the Steve Dangle pod are going to have a long summer. You're talking about, you know, trade Nylander, trade Marner, trade this guy, you know, punt Tyson Berry out the door, don't even offer him a contract. And like, I don't know what's right, what's wrong. And I don't care to wade into that knee deep pile of crap. What a devastating, like, it's not even devastating. Every Leafs fan I talked to was like, obviously sad and pissed off, but they were expecting it. And it, this isn't on the heels of like some amazing season by the Leafs. And it's like we said last episode, Toronto's or uh, Columbus is no schlub. Like they were seated one spot lower. And this is the same coach and system that dismantled Tampa Bay last year. Like John, John Tortorella deserves a world of credit. Now, 
um, there was a lot of anxiety from people who want to make fun of the Leafs because in 24 or less than 24 hours after they lost, we didn't know if the Leafs were going to hit on their one and eight shot at winning Alexi Lafreniere, which brings us to lottery 2.0, the Alexi Lafreniere sweepstakes, eight teams who got eliminated from the playing round, all with an equal shot at winning first overall in what is the stupidest iteration of the draft lottery system the NHL has ever put forward. And that is absolutely saying something. Uh, Brad, you and I did a live stream for that. Yeah, barely. I just made it. I think you were already on by the time I got home. I know. I had your face covered by like my shitty tears that I've been putting around that mostly just piss people off. Um, and uh, we avoided the worst. I mean, we always had you, Brad, you were a big uh, proponent of the chaos Edmonton pick. Uh, Edmonton or Evan, I think you also wanted the Edmonton chaos pick or just, I don't know who you were going for. I'm indifferent. It It's all pain and misery anyway. Yeah. Well, and I wanted anyone besides Toronto or Pittsburgh. I could have even have lived with Edmonton and uh, it was the Rangers. And a lot of people were, a lot of Red Wings fans were reasonably annoyed. And I think Red Wings fans have a right to walk into that situation be annoyed the whole way through no matter who wins it because in reality the fact that these teams got to play for the cup in some capacity and then be a participants in this is absolute uh bullshit but it was the rangers so we were honestly happy like was this more desire yeah of course i'm not was. happy happy's not the right word i relatively was happy relieved. i was i was relieved. relieved that is the word. Yeah. i was relieved it wasn't pittsburgh or toronto rangers were in the bottom half of teams that i wanted to win and i've made no secret that like rangers are one of the other teams in the nhl that i have a soft spot for i mean if this helps get henrik lundqvist a, a stanley cup next year if they don't trade him then yeah i'm i love this but um Man, it's so you want to time for me to put on my tin foil hat. Okay. And I'm not going to go the direction everybody thinks when I'm talking about that draft lottery and this because everybody goes, oh, he dropped the ball. It must be wait, yada, yada. As, as fun as it is to joke sense. about, I that it was random. Like we saw how close the Leafs were. The Leafs ball was to going up. Into oh, the shoot. we're going to talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> we are. But here's what's going to happen, because we can't have any happiness and everything in this world must suck. So because the Rangers have now won back to back lotteries, they got they jumped up to second overall and now they jumped up to first overall in back to back years. The NHL GMs are probably not happy as far as overall teams winning. The Rangers winning again isn't a good look for the NHL, even though thankfully they would have been a non playoff team had this season actually finished out. They won twice in a row. We know how many times Edmonton won. I, I could see, and there were rumblings around hockey Twitter that GMs were upset about this format. Now, are they going to get rid of the draft lottery? No, of course not, because that would make too much sense. They're going to impose a, a limit. Once you win the draft lottery, you can't win it for X number of years. So you know what's going to happen? The Detroit Red Wings are going to win one of the three draft lottery spots next year in a relatively weak draft, and thus be disqualified for by participating in the Shane Wright draft lottery. You watch. This is our worst case scenario, and it's going to happen. We will like jump up to third overall next year, even though we'll finish dead last. 
will draft, admittedly, what is looking to be a very good defenseman in that draft. And then they'll be like, well, they got it. You're not in next year. No Shane Wright for you. You watch. This is going to happen because the NHL is stupid. You need to find a way to not speak such evil into our lives, Brad. We just narrowly escaped a Toronto Alexia Lafreniere. We don't need this reality on no, Red Wings fans. Here's what I'm doing, Ryan. I am now not going to contemplate the worst case scenario. I'm going to assume the worst case scenario for everything because if anything better comes up, I'm relieved. Like the Rangers winning, which is bad, but it wasn't Toronto or Pittsburgh. So I assumed Toronto or Pittsburgh would win the lottery. And when they didn't, I was relieved, even though it was an objectively bad outcome. So I'm doing that with everything now. Here's uh, here's why I think Gary Bettman was happy. You had a large contingent of people watching this draft lottery ready to be pissed off. And you had, obviously, the fans of those teams watching. Um, there were not the expected teams in this draft lottery. Toronto shouldn't have been there. Pittsburgh shouldn't have been there. Edmonton shouldn't have been there. But they were. And so Gary Bettman walked away from that draft lottery with his literal best case scenario. If Toronto or Pittsburgh won... You'd have the tinfoil hat, it's rigged, shriekers, shrieking. You'd have people pissed off about the long-term parity and and fairness of the league, like us, shrieking. You would have had people, teams in those divisions who can't catch a break, you know, breaking down the door at the NHL headquarters. So he didn't want Toronto to win. He didn't want Pittsburgh to win. If Edmonton won, I actually think Edmonton would have been enough to to bring this whole draft lottery system down. So those three were his not best case scenarios. But what does he want? He still wants Lafreniere to go to a big market. The New York Rangers in downtown Manhattan, that's his dream. Like that, that's boom, right there. He's right by the NHL headquarters. He's playing in a major market. He's playing for an original six team. And it's a team that people generally don't have a lot of resentment towards because of the draft lottery. Sure, they won second overall with Capo Caco last year, but that's not weighted as heavily in like the, the, the public opinion. And so people won't really hold that against them. That was something that I thought of. I was like, well, it is a little shitty because they won Caco last year. But like you said, Brad, they would have been a lottery team regardless. So I can deal with it. Of the, mountains of bullshit that we had to cho- choose from we chose a molehill here which which i'm generally relieved yeah relieved is a good word with that outcome but Batman is thrilled he didn't go to minnesota where he would have been you know not as easily advertised he didn't go to the frozen tundra that's winnipeg although i think lafreniere in canada would have been like printing money he went to the rangers i i think Batman is thrilled and uh i'm a little peeved by that because i think this whole thing was a farce how pissed do you think winnipeg is yeah, because it was their original draft slot that won it, right? Oh, they yeah. can't. They can't be happy. No, not at all. But I mean, none. Of, the- in my opinion, we're circling back. None of these teams should have even been in the draft lottery. Winnipeg included, because to me, it's a joke that a team that narrowly misses the playoffs can get in the draft lottery. Like Carolina getting Andre Svechnikov was a joke. The New York Rangers last year, were what eleventh worst team, and they jumped up and got Kako at two. It's I hate it. I hate it so much. And that's why I'm trying to not give the NHL too much of a pass here, even though Pittsburgh and Toronto didn't get it. But I mean, 2020, we got to take the smallest victories we can get. And it wasn't Pittsburgh or Toronto. F it. Victory. 
So for those of you who don't know, in the McDavid lottery, the way lotteries actually work is they pull those like uh, balls out of the machine, but generally it's numbered balls and they pull a a sequence of numbers. And there's like hundreds of thousands of possible combination. And each team is assigned a proportional amount of numbers that represents their chances. So Red Wings would have had 18.5% of the total number of uh, combinations. In the McDavid lottery, I think it was like five numbers or something like that. After four numbers were selected, with the remaining combinations possible, Toronto had the highest chance of getting McDavid in that lottery before the fifth ball was drawn. I think Edmonton, Toronto had like a 40 or 50% chance and Edmonton had like a 10 or 11% chance. They drew the last ball. That was Edmonton's combination. And you know how the rest of the story story goes. For uh, for balancing before Red Wings fans get too happy, the same thing happened with us and Rasmus Dahlin. So, yeah. Yeah. And then for this one with the Lafreniere lottery, each team, because it was just an even one and eight shot in the, Red, in the NHL, wanted to go with that. Um, in their heads, great, but in practice, really stupid presentation. They just put each team's uh, logo on a ping pong ball, and there's eight balls in there. The first ball to bounce around, like the shoot that sucks up the, the winning team, it was Toronto. And it was up there, and it bounced around the rim like four or five times before it got shoved out by the Isn't Rangers. It Minnesota's ball. ball that, like, body checked it out of the way (laughs) yep so minnesota (laughs) is now a friend of the winged wheel podcast i think we won that i think we won their favor by hoping that minnesota would win they did us a fit they did us a solid and they stopped toronto from getting lafreniere they were close it was legit like i get that's the whole thing like there's lottery balls bouncing around a machine but it was just so funny to see like a physical embodiment of toronto's misery over the past 24 hours it was you saw that one tweet i retweeted where it was like um, the Leafs lottery ball hitting the post and then John Tavares hitting a post on an empty net with the shaking hands. The below it. Yeah. Oh, that, I, I ugly cried laughing at that. Anyways, it wasn't the worst case scenario, which for 2020 is practically like winning the Stanley Cup. Now, very quick conversation. The New York Rangers, should they take anyone other than Alexi Lafreniere? Absolutely not. Everybody needs to get that thought right the hell out of their head yes they are weaker at center yes they have lots of winger depth it doesn't matter you take Lafreniere if you really really want to go out there could they trade down to two or three to get Byfield sure but when was the last time a number one overall pick was traded 2003 it's not happening and not only that there are a lot of rumors and rumbles that um LA is not really interested in Byfield. They want Tim Stutzla, second overall. I mean, I could absolutely see the argument. I mean, like Dominic Bach commented on his Instagram post saying like LA bound Stutzla. I think something has come out from Stutzla before where he expects to go to LA. Uh, Bob McKenzie put out a tweet saying, uh, don't count out the chance that LA is looking for like a player more like Tim Stutzla rather than Quentin Byfield. And you know how Bob, tweets things like he codes it and he says don't be surprised if and then that thing is already happening and he's just kind of putting it out there into the world i'm not by no means a guarantee but do not hold quentin byfield as a lock at number two overall man man if he drops it won't happen it won't happen because ottawa has had it's been on record byfield said he's had a ton of interviews with ottawa so ottawa's obviously interested but man (laughs) If Quentin Byfield, uh, see, this is why the lottery, like all three of those picks matter, because now you have a guy who wouldn't have in reality, but 
maybe I'd made, uh, had made a push for number one overall or could be the best player, dropping to number three and Detroit got pushed from one to four. One to three feels a lot better than four onwards to me. There is, it feels like there's a standout one to three. I would still feel good about, you know, the Red Wings taking Raymond or Perfetti or Rossi or whoever they take at fourth, but knowing that Byfield was a pick away would hurt. It's it's kind of like Turcotte last year. It's like I get, he was right there. He was right there. He was right there. I don't know. Uh, it's crazier things have happened on draft day. Seth Jones went fourth overall. We and he was rumor he was head to head with McKinnon for number one overall that whole year. And then he went fourth, which was shocking. Yeah. So we can't rule it out. Now look at now he's playing sixty five minutes a game. That's a factual statement I could make. I I don't count on like I, I wouldn't even hope for Byfield falling like we did with Zadina. Like we didn't predict Zadina, but we said like Ottawa's looking at Kachuk, and depending on what Arizona wants to do, there's a very real chance that Zadina falls. And that's what ended up happening. With Byfield, I just don't see like think of Ottawa as a roadblock. The only way, the only possible thing I could see that would change Ottawa's mind is if they were obsessed with either Drysdale or Rossi. Uh, Drysdale because they really need a defenseman and they're getting signals from Detroit that he'll go fourth overall or Rossi because he's the Ottawa boy. But I think you can get Rossi at five and I don't think Drysdale's going fourth. So I've seen rumors floating around about one name that is really connected to Ottawa that has nothing to do with Byfield or Stussel because I'm just assuming they're going to take one of them at three and the rumor is who they're going to take at five. Lucas Raymond. Yeah, I saw that one. Byfield and Lucas Raymond going to an in-division opponent would be my hell. And it's looking likely. Like right now, if I had to put money on the table, how does the top five go? Byfield and Raymond end up in Ottawa. Uh, Pronman said he like he's he's seen a lot of uh, Raymond to Ottawa and he's seen a lot of a lot more connections with uh, Perfetti in Detroit. I don't how can you buy that though? Nobody knew the cider to the Red Wings rumor until like an hour before the draft. And that was only because Eisenman was trying to work a trade out of his slot. I have a real hard time believing anything out of the Red Wings management and scouting department has gotten out into the public. They probably like a lot of players there, and of course it's natural to go the uh Devilano Osgood connection the Michigan connection with Saginaw to Perfetti. It it makes sense. They would know this player better than anybody else in the draft. So if they're drafting him at four, they're damn certain about him. And if they don't, they're damn certain about him. So I I could see the connection, but Eisenman doesn't have leaks. So would it shock me Perfetti at four? No, absolutely not. He absolutely deserves to be in consideration for that. Is Eisenman letting this information out? God, no. And if Eisenman is letting <laughs> information out, would you think it's a smokescreen to maybe get Otto out of panic and take someone else at three? Absolutely. Yeah, especially when the uh, GM of Ottawa is Pierre Dorian. I think you can uh, mentally will your way into the, the pick you want. Yeah, so I'm, I, have a, like, I have a hard time believing any rumors with any team, especially with the draft, especially considering we're over two months out from the draft where these teams probably haven't finalized. Well, they certainly haven't finalized their pick. 
So I always take these rumors with a grain of salt and even more so with Detroit because it's the Steve Eisenman vault. All right. Tinfoil hat. Eisenman's going to put out a lot of signals that he's looking at Byfield at four or not Byfield, Drysdale at four. Uh, doesn't see the purpose of passing on such a great defenseman, blah, blah, blah. He's the next Kale McCarr. The Red Wings regret, regret passing on Quinn Hughes, et cetera, et cetera. Ottawa gets nervous, thinks they can't get Drysdale at five. They're not really into Sanderson at five. They want to walk away with a forward and Drysdale. They take Drysdale third, and then Red Wings get Byfield fourth. And That's oh. the play. That has yeah. to be the play. That's, That's the move. The only way we're getting Byfield. Eisman would the only way we are getting byfield. That is like antithetical to the way Eisman operates, but we can dream. And we have like two months left, so there's gonna be a lot of that. Uh, okay, very quickly, guys, what we're gonna do here is now that we have the uh top 15 uh picks wrapped up, we are going to do a very quick off-the-cuff mock draft, and we're gonna add a little bit of uh not necessarily only who we would take but maybe add in a little bit of who we think will go there okay so we are gonna like since i've heard hypothetically i've heard zero connection of holtz rossi or sanderson to detroit we don't consider him for detroit then yeah essentially you can't go like wildly off the board okay but you can you know work within your range there okay okay um who's drafting first overall not you, Evan. Brad, you can go. Okay. The New York Rangers uh, would like to trade. No, of course. They're going to take Alexi <laughs> Lafreniere. All right. Uh, Evan, for the LA Kings. LA will take Quentin Byfield because nice. he is cool. exactly what they need with their aging centers in Anze Kopitar and Jeff Carter. Doesn't They'll have a, an elite top three center. See, we, Evan, we spend up this whole time working out scenarios to get Byfield at four, and then you just go and ruin it right away. It's, it's just like draft day. <laughs> Ruins it. Ruins everything. Uh, Ottawa at pick number three. Um, sad that Byfield's not there. We'll take the next best thing and roll with Tim Stutzla. I almost did it. I almost did it. And that leaves you, Brad, Detroit number four. Well, the Red Wings are desperately looking for help down the center. They are going to pick a player they know well. They are going to pick a player that fits the mold of a slower but higher skilled Braden Point. From Saginaw of the OHL, Cole Perfetti. Did that hurt to do? A little. I like I like Perfetti. I really, really I like our, Perfetti. Uh, I would, if I was him here, I would have taken Raymond. That's no secret but i've heard zero connections to lucas raymond and the red wings so we're two for two on perfetti now yeah oh wow but i Uh, I like perfetti he if if they're convinced he can play center he might make more sense than than raymond there because raymond is a pure winger you know man ottawa there's no way ottawa's not walking out of this draft making it like bandits Oh, they are. They're picking three and five. What is their worst case scenario here? Stutzla and Drysdale? Yeah, I, uh, it's just not. Unless Dorian takes Sanderson or does something weird, like takes Askroff. Or- Even if they take either one of them, that's still a killer draft. 
They could go way off the board at pick five, pick whoever the hell they want. They're still walking away with Byfield or Stutzla and then insert really good prospect here. Because for as much as we dump on Jake Sanderson, the dude is still a fringe top 10 prospect. (laughs) He's not bad. Yeah, he could very well end up being like a uh, top pairing left-handed defenseman. Like that's not out of the question for him. Yeah, like because it's all in the matter of context. In a normal draft, we are hyping up in the last three drafts. We have spent the entire draft hyping the hell out of everybody who's picked five to ten. Yeah. Because that's where the Red Wings were picking. Now we are spending this entire draft dumbing down and downplaying everybody we think is five to ten because they're beneath us. Those are these are guys in the previous year where if we were picking nine like in, we were in 2017, oh, we would be all on the Sanderson hype train if we needed a defenseman. So it's still worth mentioning. And Ottawa, if if it's Stutzla and him great draft they're happy all right evan for ottawa's second pick at number five well they got one of the two forwards they wanted and now they will get the defenseman they wanted after pierre dorian was holding his breath as detroit walked up to the stage so they will take jamie drysdale oh anaheim is going to get a gift here I Anaheim, if, Anna, it's going to be the same thing as Zegers last year, and I said this in the mock draft that I did with our, our friends over on, on um, the Devils podcast, but uh, they have a choice between a few fantastic players here who by all rights would never be at number six in any other draft, uh, but I think Anaheim is going to, I think they'll go Marco Rossi here. I had a hard time not taking Lucas Raymond there, but I, I think they'll want, they'll believe in Marco Rossi's ability to play center and uh, have that solid two-way production. And so I think he'll be the pick and I already regret it the moment I said it out loud. So Brad, do your thing for the devils at number seven. Lucas Raymond. It, it, yeah. If he goes this late, it's absurd. I've seen a lot of people talk about him not doing well in interviews and not really being held in high regard by some scouts. So I wouldn't be surprised if Lucas Raymond fell. Oh, well, like if you look at it, we have our big seven of this draft, big eight, if you want to include holds. And we we know we've been saying outside of the top three, these guys can go in any order. So it shouldn't be shocking if Raymond goes seven or eight. If he goes lower than eight, that's where you're like, okay, someone here effed up. But yeah, it's you can absolutely hear arguments for Rossi Drysdale, Holtz or Perfetti going ahead of Raymond. You can. I don't agree with most of them, but you could. Um, so it, it, it's not shocking. It's just not good. All right, Evan Buffalo's pick eighth overall. How are you going to disappoint the city of Buffalo? Um, I think they go with, uh, Alex Holtz. I think they need a right winger because I think they're, who do they got? Sam Reinhardt, Dominic Cahoon. Those are their two top right wingers. Yeah. And I, been pretty sure they've tried Reinhardt at center and Dominic Cahoon shoots left. Oh, uh, and I, I forgot about Wayne Simmons. <laughs> He's a UFA. We can we even Oh, there him? you go. Yeah, I think Holtz is a guy that people kind of push down the order because they forget due to all the other like high end talent up top. But Holtz is, is a fantastic prospect and pretty much who you have to pray for at the bottom half of the top 10. Someone with a kind of elite shooting talent like him. Um, I think they'd be thrilled. I think you would have, you might see Sanderson go by this point in the real draft, 
Um, and I think Holtz is someone who is liable to get pushed down in favor of Sanderson. So is Raymond in my mind. And so is this next pick for Minnesota. I've been saying this from the beginning and I'll continue to beat this drum. Uh, they are going to take the risk and the plunge on goaltender Yaroslav Askarov, ninth overall. All right, Brad, pick number 10 Four. for Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Oh, baby. Well, we're into the territory of where I've heard zero rumors about any of these teams and who they like. And honestly, once you get pack past pick eight here, it's like, who should team X draft at nine or 11 or 12? We don't know who's going to fall. I hate those questions. Like, cause we don't know who's going to be available, but I can tell you based on best players available in this range, based on positional need in Winnipeg, if this scenario happens, I do not see a reality where Kevin Sheldayoff walks up to the podium and goes, the Winnipeg Jets will select from the USNTDP, Jake Sanderson. So you don't see that reality or you do? Oh, I don't see him not doing that. Like, Uh how could they? This is he's probably going lower than a lot of projections. And it's at Winnipeg's biggest position of need. And he fits the exact type of defenseman. Winnipeg needs the most if there's any team that is willing to trade up a few spots in this draft it might be Winnipeg to get Jake Sanderson because this is from every standpoint a match made in heaven all right Evan pick number 11 11 for Evan Nashville um Nashville is going to maybe go I guess you could argue at best player available they'll take um Jack Quinn your boy Jack Quinn I think that's a reasonable spot there. Um, that's kind of the range he falls in. He, Jack Quinn just kind of shouts at you like a guy who in another draft would be the one to jump into the top 10, but I just don't see how he bounces any of these players out. Uh, pick number 12 for the Florida Panthers. Um, it's tough. I don't really know which direction to go here. I'll say Seth Jarvis just because I really like Seth Jarvis as a player. Um, credit to Anton Lundell, and I th- feel bad not taking him all the way to pick 13, but I think Florida has a reasonable shot of taking that centerman from uh, the Portland Winterhawks in the dub. Yeah, he right, a Brad. real good. Yeah, yeah, legitimately. The, the whole 10 to 15 range is great. Uh, pick 13 for Carolina. Oh, man, do the rich get richer? This is mm-hmm. a team that is weak at no position. Um, they are pretty well stocked in the prospect cupboard for how good they are. Uh, they have a really good system at every position. And you're talking about a team that really covets two-way possession hockey. I don't know if there's a team that walks away happier from this draft than if at this pick, Carolina just goes, all right, yeah, we'll take Anton Lundell. Thanks. Yeah, they they walk up laughing because they don't have a single difficult decision. They don't have to you know, take that proverbial swing on anyone. It's all decided for them. A player, a talent like Lundell is an arguable top 10 talent who just got pushed out because of everyone ahead of them. They'll be thrilled. All right, uh, Evan, pick. And that was the pick that uh, Toronto traded. So Toronto Asked Carolina to please take Patrick Marlowe so they can make a run for the cup. Uh, they gave up their first round pick. Carolina is still in the playoffs. Toronto is out and Carolina will take Anton Lundell from Toronto. Evan, number 14, Edmonton. 
Uh, yeah, I was trying to find them uh, some sort of winger because obviously their top two centermen are really, really, really good. <laughs> um, but I don't really like anyone at this pick, uh, so they are going to take Seth Jarvis. Who's already been picked, Evan. Get with the <laughs> Who program. took Seth Jarvis? <laughs> Me. When? That's an, Evan, that's an Evan tradition. Literally two picks ago, right uh, before Lundell. S- s- as soon as I pick, I don't pay attention anymore, and I start looking at who's who, uh, who the next team I have can take. <laughs> you should uh, actually... A great pick here for Edmonton would be Seth Jarvis, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ryan, I definitely don't listen uh, after. <laughs> especially when it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, okay, next option then. Uh, Dylan Holloway. All right. Another Ew. centerman. Another centerman, even though, you know, two two top-end wingers, which Edmonton needs, were next to on my, my board. But in I guess fairness, Dawson Mercer, maybe? No. no in fairness, Dylan Holloway is, like, a pretty great skater, and he's one of those guys where they he plays center, but he could be flipped to wing. And that's not bad versatility to have. Let's say you ever wanted to stack uh you know mcdavid dry side on the top line and you have him running your second or you, you toss him in the top six on the wing i th- I think that's a good pick who'd you take seth jarvis for hear me hear me out you I took him for florida florida mm. hear me out though you take an elite shooter like rodion amirov and put him beside mcdavid or dry and see what happens just just me and for Pittsburgh, I actually, for Edmonton, some alternative picks. I could have seen them going for Caden Gooley or Braden Schneider as well. Yeah. Ew. Not Schneider. Uh, on Schneider, not Gooley. I think... I, I think Pittsburgh is going to feel sad and hurt. And, oh, no, they didn't get a chance to win a fourth cup because they didn't get gifted Lafreniere. They're going to be looking for some heir appearance down the center. Um, and they are going to see the kind of skill and ability that Dawson Mercer brings to the table uh, from Chikudami and the Q. Uh, and they'll be happy to take him 15th overall. Thoughts on that pick, Brad? I hate it. But it was for really? Pittsburgh, so I love it. I'm not big on Mercer. I like him. Uh, he He's a 20 range to me just because I don't see the upside that you would want to get out of a out of a player, especially a forward that you're taking in the top half of the first round. Like at this point in the draft, I'm gambling still on very high skill pair players. Amirov, Reichel, Zeri, Maverick Bork. Uh, you could make an argument for Paterka at this point. Uh, if you need a defenseman, Gouli, Andre. I could all make. I could make really good cases for all of them over Mercer at this point, just because of upside. Mercer yeah, projects but- well; like he's 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 got a versatile skill set, so he's he'll be a great pick, and he'll he'll likely play a long time for whatever team drafts him. But I just I don't see him having that mega impact that some of these guys could have. All right, so that is our uh, fifteen pick mock draft post Lafreniere decision. So number or uh, first overall, Alexi Lafreniere. I someone had a convert or someone mentioned on YouTube. They're like, it, it irks me that you guys are saying Lafreniere instead of Lafreniere. And I, I no. think the actual pr- pronunciation is Lafreniere, and it's not Lafreniere, but it's Lafreniere. You just know it's going to get ang- anglicized into Lafreniere. Uh, but I'll fight the good fight in honor of the people who you know take the time to watch on YouTube and, and leave their feedback Lafreniere to the Rangers uh Byfield to LA Stutzla to Ottawa Perfetti to Detroit 
Jamie Drysdale to Ottawa again, so they walk away with Stutzel and Drysdale. Anaheim snags Marco Rossi. The Devils get gifted Lucas Raymond. Buffalo takes Holtz. Minnesota takes goaltender Askarov. Winnipeg lands the successor to Dustin Bufflin and Jake Sanderson. Uh, Quinn goes to the Preds. Seth Jarvis goes to Florida. Anton Lindell to Carolina. Uh, Holloway to Edmonton. And Dawson Mercer to Pittsburgh. Not bad. I actually think as painful as that one was to kind of push players away from our rankings might be closer to reality than some of the other mocks or rankings that we've done. Yeah, we'll probably have a day where we just do a straight up, this is our mock draft, and then this is a straight up based on what we've heard mock draft. Yeah. Once we get, that one will be closer to once there are plenty of rumors abound. Okay, let's move over into a quick chat about the actual playoffs. No more plans, no more qualifying round, any of that crap. It's the playoffs. We're in the playoffs now. The playoffs have started. So, yesterday, holy shit. Oh my god. I turned that game on at like 4 o'clock and I watched a little bit of it and then I turned it off. And then I went, you know, lived my life for a little bit. Went on my computer at 8.30. I was like, oh, let's see what hockey games are on now. And it was still that game and I didn't even like think that it could be the game I watched at 4 o'clock. I was like, wait, that can't be right. And then I looked at the score and it said 4 OT. You know what I was thinking was um, whenever the Red Wings, you know, back when the Red Wings used to play in endless overtime because they would make the playoffs, you would always hear about how they would bring in Little Caesars pizza from the concourse or like food from the concourse or whatever. And understandably now as the game is developed and um, health science is developed and especially relevant to sports, it's not necessarily pizza between periods anymore. It's more healthy foods like grapes, whatever. But where are they getting the food from that they needed to bring in between intermission? Because there's no concourse anymore. Oh, the reality of it is they weren't getting food. They like they had to. They had no. To. They're getting some kind of shake. Like there is a million supplements on the planet that they were probably giving them something loaded uh, with with BCAA proteins, some electrolyte variation, and some other energy booster. Like they were probably just taking like crushing up caffeine pills in like some amped up protein shake. Honestly, is what they were taking. <laughs> They Just called up NASA, NASA pretty quick. <laughs> Give us the best paste you have. NASA's or, like, oh, sorry, we only researched up to four OTs. And then, or they were just straight up doing Red Bull and vodkas. It's the only Vod- way Seth Jones was functioning at that point. Five overtimes in that game. Um, 88 shots for the Lightning. I believe something like, yeah, it was 88 shots for the Lightning, 63 shots for the uh blue jackets vasilevsky saved 61 of 63 and corpusello saved 85 of 88 shots that is insane that man saved 85 shots and still didn't have the best save percentage of the game that is crazy he he must have like he he probably hasn't gotten out of bed yet if we're being honest no how could you he put up a 966 save percentage in a game that he lost and allowed three goals. I can't wrap my head around that. Victor Hedman, who just came off injury, played the better half of or uh, nearly 58 minutes. Seth Jones played 65 minutes. Seth Jones played an entire hockey game. Plus like five. Uh, in a t- plus five. Zach Wierenski played 61. These guys were on the ice playing. 
hockey against one of the best teams in the world for an hour of ice time. How? And then, how? And then they lost. And a large uh, part of the part of that has to do with inconsistent refing, depending how you want to look at it. Because the refing in these playoffs has been not good. Another egregious call in Carolina, Boston today, but we'll talk about that one later. I the, I, I posted on Twitter. Oh, yeah, of course, Tampa Bay would score when they should have been shorthanded, to which everybody started screaming at me. Oh, that wasn't a penalty. It was a good non-call. It was a soft play. And to which I agree. It shouldn't be a penalty. But then the penalty that was called on Seth Jones earlier in the game, which was the exact same play, shouldn't have happened. And you could say, oh, yeah, well, they learn from their mistakes. Nah, it doesn't get to work that way. You you can't have inconsistent refing. If that was a penalty in the second period, that's a penalty in the fifth OT. And because it was the OT, they didn't call it. Because th- this is textbook. Refs putting their whistles away when they absolutely shouldn't. And again, identical play to what Seth Jones already got a penalty for in the same game. It's garbage. Um, and of course the game ends on some bullshit knuckle puck on its side, rolling along, uh, his stick blade play where he's not even like leaning into the shot. He's literally like leaning backwards probably because he can't stand up anymore. Braden point just slings it at the net. Like his hands were at the top of his stick. Like he was hardly shooting. He slung it at the net and it just went top corner and he won. That has to feel amazing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That shot was just perfect. Puck up on end, just mm, perfect. Right after Gavrikov got beamed in the head, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's. <laughs> I I think like I love endless OT. I love how gimmicky. Not it's not even gimmicky. It's the hockey in its purest form. I just love how insane it is, where everything goes out the window, and it just turns into like some of the shittiest but best hockey in the world. Um, but even after. We were getting into almost six OTs, and I was like, uh, it's got to end at some point. Yeah. I mean, it it, it wasn't even good hockey by the end of it, if we're being honest. You could tell they had slowed way down. Tampa, on that Tampa power play, they were just flat out missing passes, throwing it to nowhere in particular. They cleared their own zone on a couple times, on their own possession on a couple times, which was funny to watch. But yeah, it's, hey, it's playoffs. It happens. My favorite stat is that there have been five games in NHL history, and uh, and Gord Miller has called two of them. That poor guy. <laughs> yeah. the uh, the The funny part is Carolina Boston actually got pushed to the next morning to today, and then went into double OT, delaying the games after it. How can you not be romantic about hockey? Could you imagine? Because remember when Bettman was saying. Well, when someone brought up the possibility of an early game going into overtime, how would he handle it? He's like, we're prepared to have games start at 11 p.m., to which he wasn't. They needed 90 minutes between games, and the Columbus-Tampa game ended at 9.15. They could have had it at 11. But what was it? The Carolina-Boston game went just shy of four hours today, which means it would have ended close to three in the morning had they played it last night. (laughs) My God. Also, like, in 90 minutes, isn't even a lot of turnaround. Like, that ice must be beat to shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It couldn't have been good. Can you think playing eight periods of hockey and getting one win to your credit at the end? I played my first chinny last week since the quarantine and I died. (laughs) I couldn't imagine. And and he cherry picks, guys. Like He sits at the blue line. That guy has not. He hasn't seen his own zone since before his kids were born. 
I haven't seen my own zone since Fedorov was wearing the white skates. Let's be honest here. <laughs> Evan <laughs> Evan uh, transitions to defenseman when he plays pickup with Brad. I actually don't play pickup with Brad because I, I play defense normally. And when I play pickup, I don't want to play defense. And I don't want to play defense when I'm playing pickup. So I'm not playing with Brad. Yeah, Crystal does. That's why I bring her. <laughs> um, and yeah, the Carolina-Boston game today had some baloney call. I I was just like crossing streams with whatever rule you're going to lean on. It just did not make sense in the end. So this is this is like quintessent, quintessential NHL. It was challenged for a hand pass uh, because the Bruins player knocked it down. And then Peter Mrazek covered the puck to which a Bruins player knocked it out of his glove to Charlie Coyle, who scored. The ref's exact explanation for why it counted was that was Mrazek played the puck, thus nullifying the hand pass. So they straight up admitted Mrazek had the puck, but somehow still allowed the goal. Like, this should have been waved off for one of two reasons, and there was no reality where it wasn't one or the other. Either you don't count Mrazek as possession, which in then it's a hand pass, or you do count Mrazek as possession, in which case, he's the goalie who had possession. That is a whistle. It's stupid. Absolutely. This is the NHL in a nut. NHL officiating and reviews in a nutshell. They're, they broke one rule to counteract another rule, so therefore, goal. All right, Brad, we're going to get into overtime, but I believe you have to leave. I got to go. Uh, Brad's going to go play hockey. Uh, Evan and I are going to tackle overtime. Am I doing Brad. anything with this thing behind me before I go? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a – let me just find uh, Joseph's comment. So th- this is a – that is a gift – uh, from Joseph Fournier. Uh, I'll read out his comment and then you, I'm sure it'll have instructions. So that's something I dropped off to Brad earlier today. If you guys want to check it out, go to our YouTube uh, page. Joseph Fournier says, um, well, actually I'll read his comment after, but he, at the end of it, he says, Bradley, I believe you have uh said gift in your possession. No, no, I'll read the whole thing. Joseph Fournier says, Hey there, fellas, when your favorite Red Wings podcast has a host in need of a pick me up and the eight by four banner of a nude Chris Osgood spooning his two Jennings trophies and three Stanley cups doesn't arrive in time, then use a stay fresh cheese bag to stuff it in and swap it out with a more family friendly gift. Stay fresh cheese bag is the official cheese bag for vomiting into after playing five OTs. Bradley, I believe you have said gift in your possession and you and you may now open it. Cheers, cop, and thanks for all you do. If this is anything but the Chris Osgood picture now, I'm disappointed. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I've actually no seen how, it. No matter how bitching this is, if it's not that picture of Osgood, it's a letdown. It's actually uh, Evan holding Osgood's Jennings trophies. Okay, what do we have here? <laughs> that is amazing. I'll turn it this way. <laughs> I have to see it first, dickhead. No, we have to see it first. Oh, those are amazing. I always want to get one for my They cat. put Ollie and Demon's head on what type of would that even be called? Those are like, you know, like uh Royal Naval officers or something, like very like fancy like military get-ups. Old-timey. Oh, yeah. that is amazing. I yeah, love those. That, those are hilarious. I'm hanging this above my bed, <laughs> and I would sit here and, and gush about how amazing this is even longer, but I I, I really got to go. Well, thank you, Joseph, for that. Uh, Brad, we'll talk to you after. Do you want me to uh, leave my camera on so it doesn't screw anything up? Sure do. Just mute oh, your mic. Okay, I'll mute my mic, and I'm out of here. Bye, everybody.
you guys get a little behind the scenes into uh, how the technical process of this goes. All right. We're going to get into overtime uh, where on this midweek episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is Patreon exclusive. Uh, so Evan and I are going to read out Patreon comments on air as our way of saying thank you for supporting the Winged Wheel podcast, especially during this uh, long, long offseason return to play quarantine and everything. We're going to start with Ovechkin Stand Club, who says, what a weird day, five OTs. Caps play sometime today. New York won. I'm not pissed. It was rigged. And the tinfoil theories are rampant. Go Caps and bask in the greatness. Nick says, on the subject of drafting best player available, I think we can all agree that this is still the best strategy in most scenarios, right? But I do think that sometimes you need to draft position ahead of need, not the needs of your NHL team, but the need of your prospect pool. It's often said that if you have a position where you have a a glut of good players, you can simply trade those players to fill needs. But is that really true? Because I'm struggling to find a good example. I certainly find, I can certainly find a bad example though. Nashville drafted defense over and over. And when they tried to trade from that position of strength for help elsewhere, they lost Seth Jones and Samuel Girard for nothing. Can any of you guys think of an example where this actually worked? Barry for Kadri doesn't count. That's just a hockey trade. Not, not to the point where you're getting the same asset back that you got in, um, in the draft, like they didn't replace Nashville, didn't replace anyone uh, remotely like Gerard or Seth Jones, and I think that's implicit when people talk about that strategy. And it's it's like mortgaging your pick in order to get that last puzzle piece at the end. So you have to decide whether that happens. It's so funny to watch Brad walk in the background. Yeah, that's what I was just laughing about. <laughs> it's like a, some stupid Breslau horror movie. No, I, I think there's merit. And I, I think, Nick, you, you hit the nail on the head where you don't draft based on what your team needs at the moment. You look at your prospect pool. If you have absolutely no defensemen, like virtually none, you should probably be, probably, probably be looking to take one, especially if you know you can't draft any in the second, third, or fourth round. Um, if you have a ton of left and right wingers, like an immense amount of top end left and right wingers, you should probably stretch to take a center. But what do you do when you're at the top pick, right? Like you're, you're, your flexibility, believe it or not, goes away the further up you draft because you're almost tied to, to who the best player is there. Matt McKay says, hey, guys, what's the likelihood that the Red Wings try to get another first round pick in this year's draft? Stay classy, Matt. I don't know. Uh, I always find it difficult to trade up into the first round. It's possible. The Red Wings have a ton of uh, early like second, third, you know, middle round picks. Um, I think the price will be higher this year because of the depth of the first round. And I'm not sure Eisman will want to give up swings at the board. Yeah, especially. Yeah, and it's tough to tell. Like, it all depends on who is sort of remaining in the 20s. I think by the early 20s, that's when you start to get on the phone. And if you've got your eye on one or two guys and you start weighing the possibility of them being there early in the second round. And then you see what it's going to cost you to move up. I, I think it will still be too much. And there, there's going to be a plethora of guys available at, at pick 32 who I'd be more than happy with. So it's depends how bad you want that player. You know, it's actually plethora. No. It makes me angry. I said plethora my whole life and someone corrected me. They said it's plethora. Never going to say that. Yeah. Because it's spelled like plethora, 
But anyways, Garrett TV says hockey amigos. I'm actually kind of happy to see New York uh, pick first overall. The NHL could use it. We all know league revenues are in trouble with COVID. So I think the new hype hitting a big market is good for the league in that sense. As much as organizationally teams like Florida, Arizona, Winnipeg could have benefited from the talent. The Rangers are probably great from a revenue perspective. The hockey fan in me is really sad for Winnipeg, but my God, how disgusting it would have been to deal with Lafreniere in Edmonton, Toronto, or Pittsburgh. And in Florida or Arizona, you have two markets that clearly haven't figured out how to deal with hockey appropriately. I don't find the New York Rangers scenario to be insufferable at all. And to me, it's a big win for the league and for Lafreniere. Uh, sticks on the ice, boys, even while you do that hockey for five OTs. Let's go Red Wings. Uh, Joe Falzone says, uh, Promen said he's heard Perfetti and Raymond linked uh, to Detroit. Um giving the edge to Perfetti, uh, ignoring how tight Eisman keeps info. How do you see drafting either playing out? And do you see Perfetti getting nine games? And do you think he's a center long-term? He'd be a great to see. I think it's going to play out like right now. I'd, I'd probably give the edge to Perfetti in terms of likelihood. And I think the, the biggest reason there is going to be the fact that the Red Wings will draft him as a centerman, whether or not, it's going to be a clean process for him to transition to the NHL as a centerman. I think Eisman sees the need for a top centerman. I think he would envision him as a number one or number two C. Um, and they would probably not give him his nine games yet. Perfetti has a lot of different shaped holes to fall through, if that makes sense, before he can come to the NHL. Um, he needs to work on his skating. It's just not there where he can deploy his skills at, a, at an appropriate level in the NHL. But people often point to Braden Point, who wasn't that fantastic of a skater before really working to improve it. And now it's turned into almost an advantage of his. So I think that's likely. And I think if he is, he won't get his nine games and they'll keep him at center. Yeah. It's, they may as well. Like, what do we have to lose trying out our, our first pick this year for nine or less games so long as it can happen contractually yeah um josh terrell says ryan bless your soul from pronouncing my last name correctly every time well done 2008 game six four ot's between the stars and sharks turco uh nabokov was the greatest goalie duel of all time agree uh nabokov or nabokov or however you want to say it was absolutely wild those playoffs yeah. Don Mitchell says, uh, what's up, guys? Been a while since I commented because, well, 2020. Having hockey back, even the NHL playoffs before the Stanley Cup playoffs, has really brought me back out from the funk that is this godforsaken year. Has anyone done a wellness check with your boy, Steve? Yeah, I talked to him briefly. I didn't really love it, rub it in. Um, I've heard some interesting one-for-one trade scenarios that really make sense for Toronto. I know this isn't a Leafs podcast. I'm sorry for making you discuss this. Would you rather I ask if the Wings were to sign Krug and what would the contract be like? Please, God, no. Who who would say no and why? Mitch Marner for Seth Jones. That's actually one that I've talked with Max about and we've talked on this podcast about. I think they like that pairing of Wierenski and Seth Jones way too much to split it up and they can find offense in this draft. Believe it or not, I think both teams would say no to this. I think both teams would feel that their player is worth just that little bit more to make it not make sense. I think Toronto likes Mitch Marner more than the general public tends to believe. Yeah. I think they just see it as this is player at this amount of many points for this much money and it's apples to apples. I don't think it's that at all. I think because this wasn't he nominated for what's the 
humanitarian? Is it the Clancy Trophy? Didn't yeah, wasn't he the Leafs? They nominated him, so clearly they like him in in the locker room and in the community. So I would think Toronto would say no, and a lot of people would shake their head at that. But well, I mean, you if you want to call it cost control, he's coming in at a high price. But Marner does have uh, quite a bit more years locked down. Seth Jones has one or two more, I believe. Uh, the next one is William Nylander for Sam Gerrard. I think Toronto does that in an instant, and I don't think Colorado does it. I think Nylander's on a great contract. I don't understand why Leafs fans hate him so much. I think that's excellent value, and he's terribly underrated. Um, but I don't really think Colorado would want to split. Like They have a ton of top-end talent in their forward group. Yeah, why would they? They have an excellent, excellent forward group, and they have probably one of the best, better decors in the league. Why would they get involved in this, especially when they're going to have to resign a lot of these players? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they do that. I think Toronto would. Uh, thanks for the awful Leafs talk to make things better. Suck at Leafs. 40 million in four fours and you can't get three wins against a rookie goalie. Better? Uh, what are some bold predictions for trades or move that'll happen on or before draft day? Uh, pff, bold prediction. Ottawa trades one of their two picks. Yeah. Bold prediction: uh, Ottawa takes Drysdale third. That that is that's a hot take. That's a really hot take. Um, Patreon exclusive idea: Any way to have some of the twenty and later pros- prospect discussions from Brad lumped into a recap episode? As always, your voices in this podcast really make hashtag these trying times bearable, and really, and I really do look forward to these uh, to make it through the week. Keep up the three line checking center uh, work up. Cheers, Don. Don, thank you so much, and we hope you're doing well. And we'll take that Patreon exclusive idea to heart. Joseph Delia says, "Hey guys, I want you to answer honestly." What would you have? Uh, let's just make up two team scenarios. Team one wins 17 games, is depressing to watch, and unfortunately loses every spot in the lottery. Still mad and picks fourth. Team two have a below average season, lose the AHL affiliate Zamboni driver in the other team's net, choking the playoffs. Ferk you, Gary, it's to the playoffs. Lose the lottery for the first overall pick, and that first rounder you had the 13th pick um, is now owned by another team. Which team would you rather be a fan of? <sighs> I- Look, I know it's Detroit and Toronto, so I'm obviously going to answer Detroit. <laughs> but you know, these teams still has Austin Matthews. That's that's the whole thing. And the problem with Toronto is they have so much scar tissue. Yeah, they yeah. just you know, if you could jump in and be a Leaf fan right now, today, if you went today's day one, you know nothing about the past history, you take the Leafs every single time. But since it's the Leafs and Every single thing that's happened to them in the in the playoffs of recent memory. Yeah. It's man, I feel I love ragging on the Leafs, but man, do I feel bad for some of my friends who are Leaf fans. They're like helpless. Like they just feel so despondent. Like they're they're thinking, what else can we do? And the kicker, the kick in the nuts for Leafs fans is like they knew this was gonna be a bad bad playoffs. Like you don't have the season they were having and then all of a sudden make a run for the cup in general. Like you need to work on other things, but the whole break kind of reinstilled their hope, which just made it such a bigger fall when they got knocked back. Yeah. Um, David Savard eats pucks. Seth Jones eats minutes and mullet slash slash mustache boy. Zach Wierenski eats 
put <laughs> whoops hope no kids are listening uh rc tendy says uh guys last sunday i sneezed while i was leaning over tying my shoes and i threw my back out just why what is the dumbest <laughs> way you've injured yourself um from time to time as i stand in the shower if i stand on one foot i bruise the bottom of my feet dumbest ways i've injured myself i do i hurt myself in the dumbest of ways all the time uh man that's one i can't think of anything off the top of my head i oh this is the one i can think of that's now relevant i actually my foot is bruised from hitting golf balls off a dock at a cottage i don't know how i did it i woke up the next day my foot i thought was broken from oh that weight transfer that weight transfer with no shoes right on the wood of course that's gonna hurt yeah that's the most recent uh, issue with my body uh, Michael Barry says, hope all is well, guys. With the Rangers winning the lottery, what are the chances the Rangers trade King Henrik to the wings now that they won the lottery for buyout purposes or not? What should the return be? I think they should look at the Leafs and try to get the most out of the ELC while they can give Krug or Hall a three-year contract. Also, how do you like early morning hockey? Uh, working from home, I love early morning hockey. And I don't think the Rangers would do that to Longfist unless it is for the purpose of a buyout, in which case, sure, but... I don't know. Um, what should they get in return? Leas Anderson, whatever pick they're willing to give up. I don't think it would be a lot. You don't really pay that much for the bio. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it probably like a second round pick. Which wouldn't be bad by any means. I just don't think you're going to see a team make the same mistake that Toronto did. Yeah, it'll be harder. It, a team will really, really have to be in a bind to give up that first round pick now uh sid phyllis says abusing power shout out to charlie jewel and brain uh mickich that might have to say brian so unless your name is brain in which case i'm sorry for making fun of you brain i'm sure you're very smart uh because ryan said he would read this so i'm reading this because i said so i'm not a liar also brad's a cop brad is a cop i could have said that for free um alex Ott says question for our resident golf expert my brother broke my driver the last time he used it any drivers that you recommend or ones to stay away from oh man that is such a personal preference question um go get fit for one is what i would recommend they'll they'll get you hitting an every single thing in every single company's lineup and not only will you find the best driver for you you'll find the best shaft the best grip and the numbers won't lie and they'll just play so much better than trying to pick something off the rack or what someone else you play with plays well with it just may not work for you like um right now i have an m1 which is tailor-made and i really like it um i have the m6 three wood and an m2 fairway wood so clearly i'm a tailor-made guy but um i know a lot of people like the callaway drivers as well so really if you're gonna spend 600 bucks you you gotta go get fit for a driver uh sorry to everyone who doesn't like golf talk on the pod but i figured by now evan has been sufficiently distracted by other things on his computer so i'd throw him a question to bring him back in the mix (laughs) thanks for the pod content and please do not get rid of eternal overtimes in in playoff hockey for shootouts uh cameron swick says playing franchise mode on nhl 20 uh jonathan taves always ends up on the trade block for uh for chicago in the 2020 2021 season any chance that ever happens and who might be who might he go to? 
I don't know. I, I like, yeah, he has that skill set where he might age well and and be looking to go to a successful team. But he's won cups. He's the captain. He's a heart and soul of that team. I see him going up and down with them. I don't. I don't imagine him moving at all. Uh, the Caminator, who I believe is a new patron. Yes, Cam. The Caminator, welcome so much. Welcome so much. <laughs> Welcome so much to the Winged Wheel Podcast family. Appreciate the support, man. This is a quick story before the uh, question. I met Ryan before I had ever listened to an episode of the podcast at the Wings Blackhawks game back in March. We talked lots of crap about Ohio, where I was living until recently. Eh, I remember you, man. Uh, having the podcast through the quarantine has been such a help to fill downtime. Thanks for what you do. I have seen lots of opinions about getting rid of the national anthems before the games. If the NHL were to get rid of anthems but still wanted something to make the players awkwardly stand through, what should the nhl play or watch before each game my thought is they watch the intro to nhl hits 2003 before every game a random song for the most recent nhl um ea nhl game soundtrack like just yeah. the, the most ridiculous songs i would just prefer nothing to be honest the Windows Movie Maker edits of like a highlight video of a random player on either team. Oh, yeah. yeah. The the Milverton 2019-2020 <laughs> season highlights. The Milverton fo- Milvy. You notice yeah. he calls it Milvy? Yeah. Milverton four-wheel Mil- drive. Yeah. Oh, my. Brutal. What, what can, more can you say? <laughs> Moose says, are teams that are eliminated technically allowed to make trades now? If so, what's a trade that the Wings can make for either an asset or bad contract with the current eliminated teams? I know Pittsburgh was looking to make changes, probably more than firing all of their coaches. Thanks for all you do, boys. They are they can make trades um, in terms of what they'll do. Uh, I'm super interesting, interested in knowing what Pittsburgh is going to do with their goalie situation. Yeah. I would inquire in that because... They'll probably move on from Matt Murray. How old is Matt Murray? Matt Murray is... He'll be 20... He's 26. He's just turned 26 in May, and he's an RFA. So what do they do with that? That's an interesting one. I mean, you look at teams like Vancouver, um, who are obviously still in it. Um, Toronto's going to want defensemen, although I don't really think there's a move there. Danny DeKaiser. Nashville will want to shake things up. I think Nashville's going to blow it up. So, I don't know. A lot of I teams will wait till I. I don't know if teams will do it now because they don't know what what they're doing with the draft. Like they'd hate to move a defenseman, and then the defenseman yeah. they wanted at the draft is gone. The thing is, a lot of teams are also going to have to. Um, like they they're gonna have internal caps like that's been discussed before the not every team is even gonna work up to this 81 and a half million dollar cap they're gonna have internal limits because the owners can't really fund the team at this point so you know st louis is still in it toronto well toronto got eliminated but how compatible are they uh teams are gonna have to make moves i'm curious i'm really curious I know it's not that great of an answer, but as teams start to get knocked uh, knocked out a little bit more, we'll have more of an idea of who might um, come up on that front. Uh, Chris Smith says, just a fun fact, the Pens got eliminated on Sid's birthday. It seems likely that it'll be the only time he ever gets to play an NHL game on his birthday, and what a bummer of a way to do it. Sam uh, Bankson says, what is this series you guys are most looking forward to in the first round? I would have to say mine is Avs, Yotes, or Vegas, Chicago, except I have to wait till frickin' almost midnight to watch, and that's tough for us old men, 30-year-olds. Also, get on Chell, you frickin' dill hole. Um, I'm a big fan of the Columbus-Tampa 
rematch, especially now that it's been five OTs. And now they're completely opposite teams, how they're built and how they're structured. Yeah, I, I wasn't didn't uh, didn't Colorado Coyotes play earlier today? Yeah, Colorado won. They um, shut them out. Okay, uh, yeah, that was what I was watching. I, you know, I was starting to. Get <laughs> I know what confused. you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. You have hockey on constantly in the background. You're like, what game's on right now? Oh. And, like, I always have it on mute because I'm in and out of meetings all day and my TV is in my office. So, I'm not necessarily always, like, watching, watching. And I'll turn mm-hmm. around and, like, I d- don't even know if it's going to be the same game. Yeah, and then I it's could, five OTs and you're like, what? You could make some sort of uh, observation in the 30 seconds you've watched, which is completely the opposite of how the game went. Yeah. Uh, James, or we had the comment from Joseph Fournier. And then, finally, James Phoenix says, Good day, lads. Apologies for the radio silence as I've been going through some serious adulty type stuff here. Well, James, hope everything is okay on your end. Down under, he says, Obviously, seeing Crosby crash out with an L on his birthday just gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling. Plus, I've been really impressed with the Blue Jackets showing thus far uh, following that uh, Marathon 5 OT game. Who are your picks to go all the way this year? I just can't look past Colorado, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Uh, as those dirty abs look so strong, the Philadelphia Gritties are playing so well, and the um, Canes are looking extremely dangerous despite a Bruins loss just now. The Wings have, however, been almost invisible in these playoffs <laughs> so far, which is disappointing. I have Philly, Colorado in the finals with Philly winning it. I really, I still like Vegas, and so far they've given me no reason to change my pick. Um, I, I like Philly as well. They looked really good off the break. Yeah. And who the hell knows what the Islanders are going to do? Because they look good again today. I, I picked them to to move on against Washington. They looked really good. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Uh, they, they're playing like such a great team game right now. It's hard to really pick against them. Barry Trotz gets so much out of his team. Yeah. Uh, also thrilled that Gino Sveshnikov is getting his shot after his one-year extension, um, and hopefully he'll take a full advantage this coming season, unless or as some suspect that he's traded out as part of a package to come. Cheers, boys, as always, and here's to Stutzlet number four. That is all we have for this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We will be back with you Sunday night, provided that Brad uh, makes it back from his hockey game and I make it back from uh, the wilderness. Um, thank you all for tuning in. You're stuck with Evan until then. Um, appreciate all your support thank you to all of our new patrons uh we know it's not always easy i know you guys have been leaving us messages saying like you know sorry we can't support right now or we'll come back like totally understand uh hope everyone's doing well and taking care and and for those who who are finding it in themselves to support the podcast know that this uh, show continues to happen because of you um and before i go on too long and make evan make fun of me i'll wrap up and thank our listeners our patrons our name level sponsors the septic tank of that bitch carol baskins uh arjun shaker greech jeremiah dobo jake kiefer ovechkin stan club brad smith andrew bohan scott martin jacob turner matt mckay brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson kaylin wood hassam al-kassem charlie elkins hana lee trevor pevavar Alex Ott, Ashley Van Conant, Chris Frank, Connor Leighton, Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Quaz, Stan Olson. Thank you all. 
See you Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.